Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Chris, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Big fan of the show. Thank you. Um, I'm a, I am got an electrical troubleshooting question. I, I, I'm having some intermittent um, power outages in my daughter's bedroom. So it's isolated to one room and the, and the breakers are not, so the, 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 the breakers are not going off. Right. So I'm just finding that I got three outlets not working and two of my switches are not working. Okay. If the breaker's not tripping, I have to make the assumption that it's going to be one of a couple things. One, there could be a junction box somewhere. Okay. That has come apart. Two, something could have gone through the wire. Right. Uh, and you, your wire is just plain severed. And if it's not in a junction box, uh, that actually could be dangerous. So you definitely want to find where that's at. Uh, and the third item, it very well could be that just a outlet went bad. Okay. You know, like a, a a a light switch or a plug or something. You know, uh, went bad and it's shut the entire circuit down. Right, and and the fact that it's coming in and out is kind of odd, right? So yeah, it might be so, on for a full day and then it'll be off for a full day. Yeah, you got something loose, and and I'm okay. betting it's going to be at one of the outlets then. Okay, well, that, I'll start changing some outlets. Okay. Thank you for the thank you for the help. You bet. I, you know, before I change them, I would take them all out and make sure everything's tight on all of them. Right. Yeah, I did. I I did pop them out while the power while I had the switch off. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I've noticed that all the wires are intact. I don't see any breaks. I, I looked for anywhere where maybe uh, we could have driven a a screw or a nail, or hang a hang a frame or something. I don't see anything obvious. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I I'm hoping that maybe changing a few of these. Outlets might help. We're going to head over to Richmond, and is it Gordon? Gordon. Oh, Gordon. Oh, well, okay. I've a, yeah, I've got old single-pane windows, and on the north side, it's about 10 or 15 degrees cooler because of the single-pane. What can I block that with? Okay, so you got single-pane windows, and on the north side where you're getting wind is where it's getting really cold? Yeah. So, yeah, you can put shutters on there. You, you, uh, you know, I was talking about that a little while ago. Sunburst shutters, uh, th those things insulate really well, but they also make uh, clear panels that you can put on it. And I don't know if any of the stores will have them right now because pre they're probably yeah. sold out. But they make a plastic that you can put on the inside. And uh, you put a little frame on it, the plastic goes on it, and then you use a hair blower to basically heat that plastic up and it shrinks down and forms a tight cover. And so basically you'll have a dead air space then between the window and your living space inside that insulates and helps tremendously with that. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. I just want to address a couple things that I learned during this storm. One, if you're going to wrap your pipes, 
you know, I always say if you've got the styrofoam covers, that's fine to use. Otherwise, you can use a towel and stuff. Well, I did some experimenting during this storm. I had some of my hose bibs with the styrofoam. I had some with wrapped with towels. The ones, all of them, that I had the styrofoam covers froze. The ones where I had the towels on them, all of them made it through with no problem. From here forward, I will recommend wrapping all your hose bibs with towels. It does a better job. It fluffs it up. And I have an exposed pipe that comes up and goes into uh, the wall for where I have my water softener. That's the main line for my water coming in the house. I covered it with a blanket, and it didn't freeze as well. So I'm telling you, that's going to be, from this day forward, the recommendation here on Texas Home Improvement. We're going to head to Channel View. Hello, Danny. Hello, Jim. How you doing? Wonderful. How about you? I'm glad I found your show today. Uh, during the freeze, I, I lost power uh, Tuesday morning. My house is all electric. So after I lost power, I left home, cut the, uh, you know, I cut the water off at the main valve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I opened up all my faucets. But pretty much nothing came out. I left them open. We left home. I got power back, I guess, in about 36 hours. When I came home, I turned the water back on, turned the water on, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting anything inside. I've got a, my two outside faucets. I get, I've got great water there, but none of my inside faucets right now I'm getting water. You know, they sputtered a little bit, a bunch of dirty water came out of them, and then that was it. Okay. Uh, shut the handles off and remove the aerators off well, the, the end aerator. of Yeah, the, the aerator is that, you know, the deal on the end of the spigot. Okay. Uh, unscrew that and try turning the water back on, and I bet what happened was you got a bunch of garbage into the aerators that plugged up. Okay, okay. So do that on all the faucets. Yep. Uh, all the faucets okay. are going to need it. The washing machine's going to have one. Uh, okay. A lot of times water heaters even have them. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, all right. I, it's, and, it, uh, it's just a screen that you got to clean out. Gotcha. And I, I also, they, they, someone told me to turn my hot water heater off just in case it was uh, empty. They said it was, you know, def- become defective if it was running with no water in it. It's sure, it, and, and it would. Uh, okay. But, so, you know, unless, unless unless you had pressure to drain that water heater, it wasn't going to empty anyways. Right, right, exactly, yeah, exactly. Hey, well, I sure appreciate it, Jim. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Danny. You take care. Let's head over to Hockley. And, Jerry, this is Jim. Hey, Jim, what's going on? Been listening to the show for a long time. Well, I appreciate you listening. Yeah, I really respect your knowledge. Look, I got a real quick question. You know, during this cold snap, record low temps, uh, I was worried about stuff in the attic. I, I open that attic door, and I get this, like a breeze of cold air coming out of my attic. Yep. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I think it is, and I'd ask you to comment. You know, I've got soffit vents all around my house. We had high winds during this thing, so I'm thinking that those winds are blowing up in them soffit vents, and that's causing the 
positive airflow in the attic. Is that correct? Uh, some of it. But the other thing you have to remember, hot air rises, cold air settles. So when you open that attic door, that cold air is going to drop out of it. I see. Because, man, it was it was a breeze that you could noticeably feel. Oh, yeah. And then, yep. You know, and then the, the, other, the other thought I had was, good Lord, man, that's cold up in there. And, <laughs> you know, I got pegs. I didn't, I didn't have, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't too worried about any, uh, any uh, pipe damage. But I thought, is there, you know, a way to introduce some heat? in your attic during these cold snaps like and this probably don't mean nothing but i noticed the snow melted on my house much slower than you know other houses in the neighborhood i wonder what they got that i ain't got you know and well no it's it's what do you have that they didn't have and you know what you had to make that (laughs) snow melt slower your house was insulated yes it is and that makes a huge difference in fact i made some comments uh on some of some of my uh, posts that went out during this, that if you want to see how well your insulation is working, when the roofs are full of snow, you go outside. Anybody who had snow melting and you could see the roof, their insulation wasn't any good. So the hot, the heat that the heater was generating to keep the people warm was going up, up through the, the attic, attic, and yep, right, and it wasn't being contained in the house where the people. That's are. it. Paul, how are you today? Hey, young man, how are you doing? Wonderful. <laughs> Listen, I've got uh, really four houses in Houston, kind of pier and beam. Yeah. Uh, and they've got the old galvanized pipes underneath. Of course, all this freezing, they they're, they look like a sprinkler system. Yep. Uh, replacing them with pegs. My question is, okay, we're going to be running it underneath the flooring. How do you insulate that PEX, or do you insulate the PEX? If you're going to insulate it, now I would recommend that you do, since it's going to be under the home. Uh, you just use those, you know, the, those uh, wraps that look like noodles, the yeah. for, for pools. Yeah, the the those things get used for PEX pipe, just like they do for galvanized and copper and plastic. Okay, so that force barn another. 10 degree day that should be sufficient oh yeah and and the nice thing about pex it doesn't freeze like galvanized and copper and cpvc and pvc pipes do when it freezes the pex has expandability so it'll expand as it freezes and then shrink back to its right size uh and doesn't burst like other pipes do not to say you can't get an elbow or something that freezes, but the pipe itself does much better. Mike, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. Um, on that sediment, can you have that same problem with uh, a valve in your toilet with uh, gook and gunk? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay, because I now, had one that was slow with the, with the low water pressure, and it's still slow. So I'm guessing that's what's going on there. Yep, it's probably got crud in there. Now, those ones don't clean up as easy as... Uh, a faucet does and, and a lot of times you're just better off to replace it i would give it a few days myself before replacing it let let all the water okay. systems get back up uh but you know 10 12 bucks you can get a new one and drop in there okay um the real reason why i called and i didn't i've got a home it's built in the 50s um got good bones on it but um i've been noticing and i don't know if this was just a function of this cold weather um but i around my the trim around my windows around my doors 
and even some of the um, the uh, molding, uh, the crown molding around on the upper, you know, on the yeah. upper side near the ceilings. I'm noticing some cracks and some small gaps forming, and like the paint where it normally might have been smooth, or if I'm just imagining things, now it's got like where those two trim pieces come together around a top of a window or a door. Yeah. Now that there's a little, tiny little crack there, and yep. so um, uh, is I'm, am I looking at foundation, or was this a kind of a weather-related thing, or what do you suggest? Yeah, so I, I think it sounds more weather-related than foundation-related. Uh, be honest, looking at my own house, I was watching some of the same things in my some crown molding and different stuff, because as as everything got so cold, when we started losing heat and stuff, building materials were shrinking something fierce. And yeah. so it, it just broke some of the, where the caulking and paint and stuff was. Yeah, the mud it just broke and some and of those gaps. Yeah. So when, because I've been told that, you know, when doors are sticking, and I don't have any sticking doors, your foundation is kind of probably farther along than you would like to know. But, like, what are some of those early signs of foundation? I, I've been told, like, windows and, and, and areas where, where yeah. those trim marks. Well, you understand I'm in the foundation stick. business, right? Oh, of course. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you the rundown then. If you start having sloping floors, uh, you see cracks in the sheetrock and doors out of alignment, brick cracks, but or just look down your brick line and it's not nice and straight. You see a, a dip in the middle of it. That's an indication that you're getting some movement. Now, when those cracks first start appearing and doors first start sticking, if you address it right away, you typically don't need foundation repair. You need foundation maintenance like uh, root barriers, irrigation, things like that, which are causing the movement in the soil have to be corrected. And it's always an imbalance of moisture. These soils, as they dry out, they shrink. When they get wet, they expand again. Well, things that cause that, tree roots taking moisture out of the soil, uh, leaking sewer pipes putting moisture into the soil, but it's not all being kept equal around the house, and that's when we start getting movement, and that's the reason it's always related to the soil moisture equilibrium. All right, excellent. Appreciate your help, and uh, I'll listen often and call back whenever I can. Appreciate it. Hey, no, not a problem. Hello, Anthony. Hey, good afternoon. Well, how can I help you? Well, um, we're kind of getting into new territory here. We're um, expanding our master bedroom and in making it bigger as well as the bathroom and uh, closets. And we, the builder suggested we go with an architect, and I'm just trying to find out the role of an architect. As he's, we've, we've talked to him. He's, he's taken down some high-level information from us. Do we, do we supply him with details of how we want specific things, or is that something we do with the builder? No, it is with the architect, because what the architect will do is take all the stuff that you want to incorporate into the house and get it into the drawings. And then the oh. builder will build based on those drawings. Okay, okay. Yeah, from what we've seen, it looks like part of his role is also to make sure he gets the necessary permits lined up and the um, property um, uh, uh, surveyed and all that so he can work I guess from there, but um, correct. But and, and then make sure be... that everything meets code as well. Right. So, so we we make sure our details go through the architect. That is correct. Yes. Okay. Because if, well, if you, you wait and do it to the builder, what's going to happen is the builder's going to end up 
you know, depending on what the detail is, sometimes we'll end up going back to the architect and having the plans redrawn, and that just costs extra money. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it, Jim. You bet. Beth, this is Jim. How can I help you? Well, hello there. I've got uh, old gravel drive and parking area. I've, I've got a – I'm out – I'm a farm. It's it's a farm. Okay. And we, when we put it in back in '02, we graded it all down and, and everything, and since then the culvert has collapsed, and so it's got a, a stuff across there, and, and – um, I'm thinking I want to pave this finally, either concrete or asphalt. What uh-huh. would you suggest? How big is it? Oh, you can park uh, four trucks on the area where the where the parking is with uh-huh. plenty of room to walk between. And uh, it's about five car lengths long between there and the road. You would find it pretty expensive to put concrete down. Putting asphalt down would be a lot less expensive. Um, now, the concrete would last longer and look better uh, over the time than the asphalt would. But uh, cost-wise, asphalt will be less expensive in the initial. Okay. And who, do, who does those things around here? I got to be honest. I don't have anybody in that area that I don't. I don't know anybody for asphalt anywhere. Actually, uh, there are companies who do it, but to be honest with you, I just don't know any of them. Okay. And when you say concrete would last longer, how much longer? Well, and out of an asphalt drive, you're going to get something in the neighborhood of ten to fifteen years, and have to do some pretty basically retop it. Uh, and usually because of the elevations means you got to take the asphalt off to put new asphalt down. And as long as your sub base is good, then you're fine. On concrete, typically once it's down, you know, if the concrete is done right and you don't have major soil movement issues, uh, you put it down and you're done. Cool. Okay, so when you say asphalt's less expensive... Are we talking a whole lot less? Yes. We're, we're, tra- <laughs> okay. pro- we're probably talking a third to half the cost Okay. of concrete. All righty. Is concrete still pretty available nowadays? I hear, you know, we had a shortage for a while. We had a shortage for a while, but right now it, we're, we're in good supply. Okay. So asphalt sounds like the best route unless I just feel really flush, right? <laughs> if you got lots of money, yeah. <laughs> no. um, for for something the size that you just described, I personally I love concrete, and at my offices I I put in concrete because of the trucks I run on it. Uh, but for residential long country driveways and stuff, asphalt a lot of times is the way to go. You're not running heavy trucks on it that's going to damage it. Uh, now, if you are going to run heavier trucks on it, then concrete would be the way to go. Cool. I'm thinking maybe a little concrete pad for the kids to play basketball on, and then the rest of it go asphalt. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you can do that. A, a yeah. mix and match. Yeah. But well, thank the, you. A, an asphalt job done right, though, you can play basketball on it all day long. That's true. Uh, I don't know if you you know if you look at school playgrounds and stuff, a lot of them are asphalt. That's true. All righty. Well, thank you so much. You bet. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Chris, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. 
a few years ago, we had a master bath reno done. And uh, in an effort to expand the shower a little bit, we, we pushed out that back shower wall where the, the water uh, faucet was and uh, used, some, uh, used some PEX. And everything's been fine, no problem. Um, but here in the, recent, uh, in the recent past week when we had the cold weather, even though I didn't have any pipes that burst, it seems like the hot water line on that shower has, has been really slow to produce hot water, which makes me tend to think somehow I, that line was frozen. And even this morning when I use it, it's, it's hot, but it's nowhere near where it was before. And I'm just mm-hmm. trying to understand the logic behind it. It's probably got a restriction in it. Uh, I doubt if if it was a. I don't think it's going to be a freeze issue, you know, where there's ice in it or anything. I think what it's going to be, and I've I've had several calls yesterday on this, as the water supplies were being turned back on, a yep. lot of debris got into lines, and I bet you got debris into the valve. Is that a single handle or a two two handle valve? Single. Yeah, yeah. And now I got it, debris in, in the lines, period, I mean, in other faucets, because yeah. two faucets in that master bath, would, they were just trickling. And I've had this happen before, and I had that, that reddish-brown sediment in the aerator. Yeah. yeah. And now actually, I what's happened on, on that faucet is you, you're yeah. going to end up taking that uh, handle apart, yeah. and you're going to see the orifices inside that thing. Yeah. They are tiny. They're, I mean, they're eighth inch or less, and okay. it doesn't take much to plug them up. Okay. And so the hot water side has probably got some debris in it that just plugged it up is all. Okay. And it's, well, it's something that seems like I can attempt to do myself. Uh, in most cases, if you've got a little bit of savvy, you can. Yeah, uh, make sure you yeah. shut the water off first and oh, of just, course. Uh, take the handle off, and you'll see that the stem can pull out yeah. and clean it up and put it back together. All right. Well, that's a big help. Thank you very much. I appreciate you it. You bet, Chris. You take care. All right. Bye. Bye. And, you know, that a lot of people, if, if your faucets aren't running the way they did before, it's just debris has built up in the aerator. You know, that's the, the part at the end of the spigot where the water comes out. Unscrew those, and sometimes you have to use a pair of channel locks to, to get it loose, but unscrew it, clean those screens out, uh, and it'll start working like it should again. Texas City, Lawrence, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Uh, hello, Jim. I have a couple of questions about roofing. Okay. Okay, uh, I've gotten several bids from several different companies, and almost everybody uses that uh, new underlayment. Right. The one guy says he was old school, and he uh, uses still felt, but he doubles it up, sort of like fifty percent on the old, you know, one sheet, and then fifty percent he double covers it. If you understand what I'm saying. And uh, but I'm I'm questioning what is the better way to go with that? Go with the new stuff. Okay, and the reason for that? The type of material that it is, uh, it's it's a lot thinner and lightweight, which really doesn't matter much of anything. But remember, the felt is only there to protect the roof until the shingles are on. And then if there is a little bit of, of a leak somewhere, uh, it helps protect from running straight through. You know, it, it can capture it and still run it down under the shingles. Um, it's just a... a a modern, better material that's going to last longer 
than the old felt did. The old felt tears very easily, and this new material does not. Okay, I can I can understand that. Um, second question is about the fascia. Now, everybody seems to go with treated pine, but this one person said he used dried chem wood. Is that just still treated pine that he's talking about? No, that's just a a dried, uh, pre-shrunk wood. Uh, I'm not sure why everybody's going with treated on fascia boards because usually they're not treated. Oh, really? Yeah. Even with with aren't they exposed to the weather pretty pretty much and well, be treated? But that what's that's what the paint's for is to protect them. Okay, so uh, you don't really need to even use treated. No, when it, when a new house is built, none of it's treated. Okay, I, 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 I was under that assumption that, that everything up there was pretty much treated, that it was exposed to the to the weather. Okay, now the last question is the, is the shingle. Yeah. Um, one person came out and said he had a 50-year shingle. Is there such a thing? There is. And you, okay, and, just... and you pay pretty good for it, too. <laughs> is, it, is it worth the, the, more, the more money? It'll depend. Um, check with your insurance company before you buy that one, because a lot of times they are uh, hail rated as well and can get you a discount on your insurance policy. And if okay. and if that's the case, then sometimes yes, it is worth the added cost. Um, but understand, you still won't get fifty years out of it. Now, oh, I didn't expect that, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't know if it was really that much better. Uh, is it still uh, an a, a asphalt type shingle, or is it one of the newer hybrid types? I assume it's just like the uh, the normal, uh, oh, certainty or whatever. Okay, they use like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then definitely check with the insurance company. Uh, you know, get the information from your roofer first, and check with your insurance company because uh, some of those are hail resistant. And that gets you a, a big enough discount on your homeowner's insurance that it can offset the cost of that shingle in a matter of a couple of years. Okay. That's all I needed to know. All right. I'm going to have Steve on now from All Claims Adjusting. So if you suffered damage during this uh, winter storm and you're going to be dealing with your insurance company. This is going to be a, a, a time you're going to want to be listening. Steve, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, Jim. How's it going today? Oh, it's going pretty good. How about you? Oh, not too bad. It's uh, going to get busy here in the next couple of weeks, I think. I would imagine you're going to be probably as busy in the next two weeks as plumbers have been for the last five days. <laughs> probably so. Probably so. So let's talk about claims first. I mean, I think the first thing we need to to let people know up front is when they have a pipe break, most policies cover the damage caused by the break, but not the fix of the pipe itself. Yes, that's that's usually how most claims read. That's how most most insurance companies are going to uh, detail it out in the policy. They'll they'll pay for the damage that it caused. They'll pay for whatever is needed to access the damage, but as far as actually fixing the pipe, they normally do not pay for that. 
And, you know, a lot of people start getting upset over that. Well, why aren't they going to pay for it? They don't realize that is usually just a very minor bill compared to the rest of the, the damage. Yes, exactly. And, and and most plumbers, they you know, if you get a reputable company and they've been in business for a while, they know how to handle that. They're going to, you know, they know what the insurance company is not going to pay for. So they'll right. they'll take it easy on you most of the time as far as that cost goes. Yep. So the other thing that, and this happens especially in roof replacements a lot, the deductible. Mm-hmm. What do we got to know about the deductible when it comes well, to this type of damage? The main thing about your deductible that you want to you wanna realize nowadays is the Texas legislature, they passed a law saying that contractors are no longer allowed to waive your deductible. Um, so most reputable companies that's going to stand behind their work and they do the work every day, they're, they're more than likely going to make you pay your deductible because that's what the Texas law says. Um, now, a lot of companies will work with you, you know, if you know if you want to contribute to the work or if you want to contribute to to helping them get material or running you know here and there they'll they'll work with you on your deductible because then they can say well we paid we paid the homeowner to do this for us and right and uh you know they'll they'll work it out most of the time but as far as just coming in saying hey if you give us the job we will waive your deductible supposedly by law they can no longer do that okay uh, so let's let's talk about what a lot of these claims are going to be looking like because uh, you know what's happened to a lot of people is well I'll tell you what I got an email that came in from one guy who uh, let's see is this the right one yep so his relatives live in a two story house a bursted copper pipe in between the first and second floor next to the master bedroom on the first floor the water gushed out all over the first floor, half inch to three quarters of an inch water, almost on the entire first floor. Uh, they got wood floors, they got carpet, uh, and their big concern is insulation in the walls. You know, did the water get up and cause problems with the insulation, things like that. So he's he's needing to file a claim. Where does he begin? Well, he needs to begin with either calling his agent or just calling into the insurance company's claims line, which is normally an 800 number, and just uh, explain what has happened. They will take all the information, a little, a little details on exactly what happened and what's damaged, and they'll set it up with an adjuster. Uh, sometimes it's going to be a staff adjuster. Other times it may be an independent adjuster. But they'll uh, they'll pass that information on to the adjuster. The adjuster will get in touch with them and set up a time to come out and take a look at the damages. The biggest problem here nowadays that, that I'm hearing is insurance companies are trying to cut corners like everyone else and make yep. the maximum amount of money. And they're sending out these third-party uh, – they're not adjusters. We call them inspectors. And they'll come out there – They'll a lot of times they'll get on like a Zoom call with a desk adjuster with the insurance company, and the desk adjuster will look at the damages through the phone and make notes along with the inspector that came out. And between those two, they will come up with a a written estimate detailing the damages. Well, the problem is, is the inspector that comes out, he's not certified. He hasn't been trained as an adjuster. 
he more than likely is not going to catch everything that's been damaged along with the desk adjuster. He can't tell on the phone, you know, what's, what's damaged, what's not damaged. And that's where, that's where we come in. We come in, we help, help the homeowners, make sure they get paid for everything they should get paid for to make their property back the way it was before the damages. And, uh, go ahead. And that's a key thing, getting the property back the way it was before the damage. A lot of times people miss that that's part of the policy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And there's there's so many little things that, that the typical homeowner does not realize insurance companies should pay for. They're, when we write an estimate, if it's a decent uh, uh, damage at the, at, at the home, there, there may be 200 line items that the insurance is going to pay you for to where, you know, like I said, the homeowner has no idea what all they should be paid for. Right. So I got to take a quick break. Uh, how do we get in touch with all claims adjusting? Well, there's several ways. You can give us a call at 817-677-1176. You can go to our website. Uh, we've got a couple of addresses, allclaimsconsulting.com and allclaimsadjusting.com. You'll, uh, we have quite a bit of information on there. We've got uh, several ways you can contact us and We'll come out and take a look at uh, what you've had damaged. No cost to you at all unless uh, you decide you want us to give you some help. Now, Steve, I'm, uh, when we come back, I, I have an, another question. I'm, I'll, I'll ask it up front before i got to run to this break. But they've gone through with the insurance company. They've already uh, you know, got work started, and now there's that dreaded change order. How do we address mm-hmm. that with the insurance company? And we'll do that when we come back with more Texas Home Improvement. So, Steve, you know, I asked you a question as far as uh, change orders. After you've already dealt with the insurance company, you get into the project and something is missed. How does an insurance company deal with change orders? Well, normally, Jim, that's what uh, in the industry we call a supplement, and it it happens all the time. There's there's always things here and there that could be missed, and the easiest way to do it is as soon as your contractor or yourself discovers, hey, you know, we nobody noticed this because it was covered up by sheetrock or, you know, covered up by flooring. Just just give the insurance company a call back and go, hey, we were we were working on the project and we noticed that uh, this damage was found and nobody knew it before. Normally, it's a pretty simple process. Sometimes they get a little picky, but the best thing to do is, is give them a call, take a bunch of pictures. Uh, if, if you can wait not to fix it until either the adjuster comes back out or they give you the go-ahead to go ahead and fix it, that's going to be the best way to do it. But insurance companies love pictures. Take pictures, take videos, whatever document, you need document, to do to document. document. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, it's it's like I said. Normally, it goes pretty easy. Sometimes they get a little picky, but hey, if they give you problems, that's what we're here for. Okay. So, in the documentation part, that's that's, and this kind of goes back into the first thing we need to be doing because a lot of people have water damage right now that they're dealing with. Uh, it, what I always tell people is take pictures, like you just said, document it extremely well, but remove the stuff that's damaged so that it doesn't cause further damage. In other words, if you leave wet carpet in a house, for instance, it's going to start to stink, mildew, cause all kinds of problems. Yes, Uh, exactly. And and we do have a responsibility to secure the property, correct? 
Yes, in your policy, it, it states that you have the responsibility to prevent further damage or, as you said, secure the property, whatever the situation may be. Uh, what I've been telling people here the last couple of days is if you've got wet carpet, either take pictures, take video, and, yeah, t- get it out. You know, take a picture before you take it out, take a picture after you take it out, and take pictures of it, either you, whether you put it on the curb, you put it in the back of your truck, or, or whatever the situation may be. Just, just like you said, document, document, document. That's that's gonna be the main things. But yeah, they definitely want you to get get that stuff out of there because it's just gonna cause, you know, it's gonna keep humidity in the house, which is yep. in turn gonna call mold, and you know, you just you don't want to go down that street for sure. So on a roof, you know, most of us in Texas have rather high deductibles on the roof. Is that the same deductible for the house for Normally, other damage? Yeah, normally your policy, uh, most policies in Texas are going to be a 1% deductible unless you have an older policy. If you're lucky to have an older policy that has a, a $500 de- deductible or a $1,000 deductible, you're lucky. You you should try to keep that policy as long as you can because those are no longer available. Now, okay. usually everything nowadays is 1%, and I've even seen 2%. Yeah, of, of your I, I, I happen to have the 2% on my on my mm-hmm. stuff and, and, and that's, a, that's a killer when you're doing the roof and I heard the music we'll get to break here in just a second but uh, real quick how can people get in touch with you Steve if they need help with their adjusting because you know they can start with you they don't have to deal with the insurance first and then come to you correct? Yeah exactly if, if, if you're having problems whether whether you filed the claim yet or not give us a call we'll come out there take a look at it if if we feel there's going to be a problem or even if even if you're having problems already we'll come out there and take a look no charge unless uh, you decide to acquire our services. And you can reach us at 817-677-1176 or get us on the web at uh, allclaimsconsulting.com or allclaimsadjusting.com. They'll both take you to the same place. All right. Steve, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me on, Jim. Hopefully we can uh, help some of your people out. I hope so. Take care. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.